Uh, we're starting a brand new series today called Enjoy, Enjoy. And the reason why it is the most brightly colored graphic we've ever had in the world, and because we're calling it Enjoy, it is really about doing something markedly different than what we're gonna experience in the rest of life these next eight weeks. These next eight weeks are going to be tough because it's election season in America and we have gone absolutely crazy. And so you're gonna see hundreds of millions of dollars through campaign ads and uh, you know, cable news and online news feeds. You're gonna see people go absolutely out of their flipping minds. And you're gonna also hear a lot about what's happening in this world that is for real, right? You're gonna hear about war in Europe and heat waves baking the Northern Hemisphere and water shortages and power outages and inflation and recession fears, right? And you've heard a lot of that you know, this week and this does something to our soul. Now, not only that, you might have some personal problems that you're dealing with, health problems, family disconnects, loss of a loved one, social stress, work stress, emotional stress. Are we having fun yet? Are we enjoying things yet? So we're done with that, right? That's what we're experiencing every day, every week, at least for the next eight weeks, if not beyond. We're not gonna ignore that. We're not gonna get goofy about it, but what we're gonna say is for these eight weeks, Rancho Church has decided to do something entirely different. We have decided to do something healthy for the soul, and that is to simply focus on the things that bring us great joy and pleasure and smiles and laughter. Try smiling. Yes, yes, there you go. It's possible, right? There's a lot going on in this world. And it's serious stuff, right? We're not making light of this at all, but we're choosing to enjoy life for these eight weeks. We're kind of calling it the cure for the stresses of modern life. And, and so what my hope is, is that as you leave here and you go out into the real world and you deal with all that you have to deal with and you hear all that you have to hear and you handle the life that you have to handle, that you'll look forward to Sunday morning knowing that when you get here, it's smiles and laughter and fun for eight weeks. It's just a choice we make. We're going to have a good time together and we're going to celebrate together. We're gonna to enjoy God and the life he gave us. We're gonna enjoy family and friends. And today we're gonna to talk about something that I think is really critical in this, to choose joy. The choice to enjoy is the cure for the modern stresses of life. And immediately you might think, well, is joy really a choice? Is enjoyment a choice or is it just something that happens to me? I'm gonna argue it's an absolute choice. It's an absolute choice. Sometimes we think happiness kind of comes or doesn't, or pleasure in life either comes or doesn't. No, you, you make it happen. You make it happen. We choose with our God-given brains to live a life of pleasure, a life of joy, enjoyment, a life of happiness. It's something we choose to do. Now, it, it's sort of like pushing through the stuff of life to get to the joy. And if we do this enough, we can retrain our brain that when, e, when things happen that are tough, when things happen that are a challenge, when things happen that are heartbreaking, in there and through that, we can still find pleasure in life. We can still find enjoyment. We can still find happiness. So today we're gonna to talk about the joy of just being alive. And I've gotta say, I've been looking forward to this message for months. I am giddy about today. The, the enjoyment of just being alive, just being a living, breathing, existing human being. And, and some of you might be thinking, even right now, it's like, well, maybe I haven't spent enough time thinking about the pleasure of just being alive. Well, that's what we're going to do today. And we're going to start from the beginning. We're going to start from the beginning. How did I get here? How did this living, breathing, existing human being get here? Well, we're going to start from the beginning. 
this is really the most uh, favored paradigm in terms of cosmological origin. We are going back to the beginning, back in time, 13.8 billion years. Ready? Let's go back in time. 13.8 billion years ago to the first fraction of a second. The first fraction of a second. Here's what happened in the first fraction of a second. A singularity formed about this big, no joke, this big. A singularity formed about this big, then inflated to the size of the entire universe in that amount of time. There's no way to even talk about that number. It's one, it's 10 to the minus 43rd of a second. The entire universe filled. The next stage of the universe happened in a nanosecond. And that is where one, in one billionth of a second, the universe took its initial shape and began expanding ever since. And so it's kind of like a, a two-phase, um, what has been called the Big Bang, it's now called the inflation. A two-phase inflation that happened in a nanosecond. A singularity formed, then inflated to the size of the entire cosmos. That quick. By the third second of the cosmos existence, basic elements had been formed. Hydrogen, helium, and lithium. So we're going to recreate the first three seconds of the universe. Ready? It goes from a singularity to, a singularity to an expansion, like, a, um, like an airbag blowing up, filled with fire, 1,000 trillion degrees Celsius, expanding to the size of the universe that it is today, and settling into basic elements of hydrogen, helium, and lithium in three seconds. All this happened. Ready? Bang. Done. First three seconds of the universe. The entire universe filled with heat. The entire universe, nearly the size it is today, filled with the basic elements of hydrogen, helium, and lithium. Let's go to the 10,000th year. The 10,000th year, the energy throughout the universe began to coalesce as matter, and matter began to, to, to dominate. But before that, there was X-rays and radio waves and ultraviolet waves. This is the dark period of the cosmos, through the, about the 10,000th year all the way up to the 300,000th year. The 300,000th year of the cosmos existence, energy begins to dominate as matter now. Matter begins to overtake energy, and gas pockets begin to form throughout the cosmos. Now let's go to the 300 millionth year. 300 millionth year of the cosmos existence, the very first galaxies start to form. The clouds of, uh, of gas and dust start to form as galaxies. This is an actual image taken last month from the James Webb Telescope. Thank God for the James Webb Telescope, the most miraculous invention in human history. By a long shot, I said it, believe it, it's the truth. They took an image of one of the very first galaxies ever formed in the history of the cosmos. They went back in time through this telescope, 13.5 billion years. We are looking at the image of one of the first galaxies ever formed in the cosmos. Incredible right around the 300,000th year. Awesome. By the way, this galaxy is called Glass Z13. Now let's get a little closer to home. Let's go a mere five billion years ago. And uh, here's a, just a rendering of what could have been the early forming of a spiral galaxy. Let's call this one the Milky Way. Five, million, five billion years ago, the Milky Way was shaping up nicely. Five billion years ago, the sun ignited in the galaxy. Next slide. The sun ignited in our galaxy. And around the sun was a disk of gas and debris. And that gas and debris began to form as planets. Eight or nine of them depend on, depending on, you know, poor Pluto. Third from the sun is Earth. Thank you. Two of you got that right. Around the Earth is a 
No, you guys are sharp today. All of that formed uh, right around that five billion years ago uh, time frame. And through all this, it's fantastic. And what we're learning about the cosmos is really just beginning with all this vast knowledge of, of science and, and the Hubble telescope. And now the James Webb telescope, we are learning, we are getting more data, we as though I'm in the mix, getting more data from the universe than we can possibly even process as human beings. It is remarkable what is happening. But even 3,000 years ago, um, there was this looking to the sky and thinking, that's a really big deal. There is a really big God who made a lot of big things out there. And so 3,000 years ago, the psalmist wrote about how impressed he was with the cosmos that they knew almost nothing about. But here's what he said. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or a word. Their voice is never heard, yet their message has gone throughout the earth. And their words to all the world, God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. They just looked up. And they were in absolute awe of all of these moving lights. They had no idea what those moving lights were. They just knew that the sun was probably a pretty important thing. And the sun was the greatest of all these lights. And God is great. I thank God. God is great. Now let's talk about life. 3.8 billion years ago, the first little bugs started appearing on planet Earth. First little bugs, microscopic living cells. 700 million years ago, primitive animals appeared, including flatworms, jellyfish, algae. Um, this is what I call uh, the ugly season. Every single creature during the season is ugly. This is a little flatworm with all kinds of hairs and nasty things. I mean, if you look into, into the creatures of this time period, nasty, nasty things. Thank God uh, nearly none of them exist today. 250 million years ago, this is when the, um, the age of the dinosaurs began. Dinosaurs began to walk the earth. The earth was filled with lush vegetation and water that could sustain huge, huge creatures. About 150 million years ago was the height of the Jurassic Age. About 66 million years ago, an asteroid the size of Mount Everest hit the earth right around the uh, Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico, and the entire earth changed. The lush vegetation started to die off. 75% of the species died off. The species that remained largely and dominated the earth were the mammals. This is one of those mammals. You think this one's ugly or cute? We're taking a vote. Some say cute, some say ugly. It's, you know, in the eye of the beholder. But these, these large mammals started to dominate the planet earth. And then all of the creatures that exist today started taking shape. And the author of the book of Job started to notice that these animals are also glorifying God. As the heavens and the stars and the sun glorify God, so do these incredible creatures that roam the land. And, and the author of the book of Job sort of bundled all the creatures together in one creature he called behemoth. So he's just taking like all of the great attributes of all of the land mammals and throws them into this creature he calls behemoth that praises God. Job 40, take a look at behemoth which I made just as I made you. It eats grass like an ox. See its powerful loins and the muscles of its belly. Its tail is as strong as cedar. The sinews of its thighs are knit tightly together. Its bones are tubes of bronze. Its limbs are bars of iron. It's a prime example of God's handiwork and only its creator can threaten it. So the author of Job is looking at all these creatures and kind of bundles them into one and say, these are the creatures that roam the land and they honor God. You turn the page to Job 41 and you'll read about Leviathan. 
Same thing, all the creatures of the sea kind of bundled up in this one creature he called Leviathan that also praises God. So creatures praise God just as much as the stars in the sky praise God. 600,000 years ago, now we're getting in our neighborhood here, uh, early modern man first appears on the continent of Africa. Around 200,000 years ago, modern human beings first appear in a wetland in what's now known as Botswana in South Africa. Scientists think that's the cradle of modern humanity. Uh, They could find things other places. They first thought it was more Ethiopia. Now they've discovered earlier remains. And so that's the common view today, about 200,000 years ago. 12,000 years ago, now we're getting close to our birthday, right? 12,000 years ago, humankind, modern man, spread into nearly every habitable corner of the earth, including Temecula, California. They made it about 12,000 years ago, Temecula, California, right? And our native population has their heritage right there. And it's, a, it's an exciting thing, right? It's awesome to celebrate the, the migration of humanity. Humankind is, is interested in exploring and going to that next place. Now let's get to your birthday. Your birthday. What is that date? Don't tell your neighbor if you don't want to. But what is that date? And then add 280 days, roughly, to the point of your conception. Now, we're gonna use phrases over the next two minutes that you have never heard in church nor will ever be uttered in church before, so brace yourself, right? Let's go to your birthday. And let's go 280 days before that to the point of your conception. 200 million sperm got to work. You'll never hear that phrase again in church. 200 million sperm swim wildly toward a single glorious strong female egg just chilling out on the wall of your mom's uterus. You never thought you'd talk about your mom's uterus at church, but you just did. The tip of the sperm cell is this boring machine that gets through your mom's egg, and this complex series of events goes through that membrane and then releases the sperm cell into the egg's cytoplasm, and then in one magical, glorious moment of light, and there is actually science that indicates when that sperm cell meets that ovum, there is a little release of energy. And to me, I just take that as kind of a tiny, cool, little miracle. And that's you. That's how you happened from 13.8 billion years ago to your birthday plus roughly 280 days. That's how you happened, a zygote, a single-celled zygote. Incredible. Now, uh, moms have about a million eggs total in their lifetime. Uh, Dads make about a half a trillion sperm cells in their lifetime, which means the flat-out odds of you being you is one in 500 quadrillion, if you just do the math. You are one in 500 quadrillion to make you. That makes you a pretty special thing. So now you are officially an embryo. Next slide, you're an embryo. And as an embryo, you've got some cool stuff going on. You develop some things you need every once in a while, like your brain, your spine, heart, lungs, fingers, toes, eyes, and nose. Next slide, at 10 weeks, you're a fetus, and you've got all you need but you gotta bake a little bit, you've gotta grow additional skin, fat, and nervous systems, but you are being refined, you are developing nicely. At 24 weeks, given modern science, you are viable outside the womb. Uh, Here at Rancho, we just had a set of twins born premature. I think they're 24, 25 weeks, is that about right? Yeah, and uh, they're doing great. Born about that big, that big, two little 24 weeks. It's amazing, right? And they're both at home, and they're both doing well and getting stronger. It's amazing. All of this is an incredible miracle. And that miracle was noticed absolutely in Scripture. Again, 3,000 years ago, 
Maybe the same psalmist who talked about God's glory being shown in the heavens and the stars talked about God's glory being shown inside the womb. Here's what he says. God, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how I know that well. He's kind of bragging, right? I'm a pretty big deal. That's basically what he's saying. You know, God, thank you for making me me. Thank you for making me so cool. Thank you for making me so complex. We can say the same thing about ourselves. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you're still with me. In other words, God, not only is my body a big deal that you knit together in my mother's womb, but I'm a big deal. Your thoughts towards me are as vast as the numbers of sand on the sea. 3,000 years ago, basically infinity. God, your thoughts toward me are infinite and you're always for me and you love me. And I might go to sleep, God, and I might not know how much you're thinking of me, but when I wake up, I know you're thinking of me. Isn't that cool? To just take great pleasure in how complex we are, how wonderfully knit together we are, and that God thinks good thoughts of us, always good thoughts of us, always for us. Let's double down on this whole thing in Genesis 2-7. Listen to the word picture of how God creates humankind. The Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. That word living in the Hebrew um, is a very cool word. It's a, it's a word that means, um, uh, it, it's a word that means soul. So it's a word that means uh, a life is, is being brought to this person from God himself. It's the word nefesh. It means a sentient soul. And that's uniquely human. The life of God is breathed only through us. Nothing against your dog, but the, the life of God is breathed only through us, right? If you're a cat person, we have no camaraderie or friendship. But it's uniquely human to have the life of God breathed through us. The Bible is clear that God is praised through the glories of the heavens. He is praised through the land animals and praised through, the, through the, uh, the, the animals in the deep. But really, when it comes right down to it, it is through us. We breathe the life of God. The life of God is breathed through us, nephish, soul. And not only that, Genesis 127 says this, God says, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Three times, he says, you, human beings alone are made in my image. Human beings alone are made in the image of the creator. No, no other creature can bear that title. And being made in the image of God means that we can connect with the eternal God. We can have thoughts of eternity. We can have a relationship with the eternal God. And we ourselves are eternal creatures. Yes, this phase of our life will pass on, but we're eternal creatures made in the image of God. We have the volitional power to choose good or evil. Unfortunately, we choose both good and evil. God chose only good in his sovereignty. We choose good and evil. And so, yes, there's com some complexity there, right? And yes, we have a lot to work out, but we're the only ones made in the image of God that even have the choice to choose good or evil. But even if we've chosen evil and humankind has chosen evil, we can still use the image of God in us to get to the good. We have the free will to live a life that is truly good, to honor God and honor one another because we're made in the image of God. 
Ephesians 4 says this, verses 23 through 24. Let the Spirit of God renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like who? We are created to be like God. Enjoy just being alive in this incredible cosmos among the animal kingdom, but elevated among the animal kingdom as having the nephesh, the soul, the breath of God, and being made in the image of God. That is uniquely you, and that is uniquely me. Very cool. Very cool. By God's creative will, for God's creative purpose, and for God's creative pleasure, we are alive. We are alive. And we all started from this cosmic singularity that inflated to the entire universe. And, and can we just say the exact same elements that appeared three seconds into the creation of this universe, 13.8 billion years ago, are the exact same elements that are in your body right now. No new energy has been inserted into this cosmos since the very first inflation of the universe. Those same basic elements, three seconds into the creation of this cosmos are the same elements that make up your body right now, including your incredible, beautiful brain. Your brain is magnificent. I'm not sure about mine sometimes, but yours is magnificent, right? Again, 3,000 years ago, in Proverbs 2, 23, guard your mind above all else for it determines the course of your life. And that word mind in Hebrew is live. Live. And it, it's this incredible word that means all of it. Mind, soul, spirit. Everything that we would talk about as sort of who we are outside of our physical body, it's live. That's who we are. And that's in our brain. All of it is in our brain. Before we understood brain science, we might have thought a lot about what is soul, what is spirit, what is this, what is that, but it's all contained in this three pounds of jelly swimming around in your cranium. It's here. It's here. Our brains are remarkable. Our brains are miraculous. Your brain can calculate a quintillion calculations per second. One quintillion calculations per second. This sermon is so exciting for you right now. It's probably two quadrillion, you know, or quintillion calculations per second right now, right? Your brain is always alive. Even when you're sleeping, it's calculations, calculations, calculations. Well, is that number of calculations a big deal? Well, it's a huge deal, but it has been matched by the, by the supercomputer summit. The supercomputer summit was developed to essentially match the human brain. One quintillion calculations per second. This supercomputer happens to be the size of a 747 aircraft. It is the weight of a 747 aircraft. It takes enough energy to power a small city, and it is still dumb as a stick. This supercomputer is dumb as a stick. It churns out one quintillion calculations per second, but it can't do it on its own. It can't tell itself what to calculate. A human brain has to tell it what to calculate. And yeah, it'll churn a lot of stuff, a lot of math right? It's a lot of energy to cool it, but it's dumb as a stick. It needs human brains to fuel this supercomputer just to get to the number of calculations a human brain can perform in one second. And by the way, the human brain is not the size of a 747 aircraft. It does not take the power of a small city. In fact, your brain weighs three pounds. It is about the size of your fist. It consumes about the power of an LED light bulb, and it's self-aware, and can think brilliantly most of the time, right? It's a remarkable piece of equipment in your head. 
nothing that the collective intelligence of all humankind could come close to. We don't understand the power of our brains. We're trying to figure it out how, how two synapses work and how memory is stored, how calculations are formed. And, and, and what in all of that makes you and your personality and your memories, I mean, it's remarkable, an absolute miracle. Not only that, your brain can heal itself and rewire itself. Not to get, you know, morbid or whatever, but let's say you leave here and you pick up your popsicle and you're so excited about your popsicle and you got to get it done because it's a million degrees out there and, and you walk into the middle of the street and you get hit by a car. You get hit by a car. What's going to happen? If it's not a truck or an SUV, is you're going to go over the hood. Your head's going to hit the windshield at about 40 miles an hour, a couple of flips and your head's probably going to hit the asphalt. And it's going to look really gnarly. How can anybody survive that? Well, you can. And you're going to be put in the back of an ambulance, and you're going to go to the hospital here, and they're going to start putting you back together, and your brain's going to be an absolute mess. You probably will have blacked out. You probably won't have a memory for some period of time. But your brain, from the time it hits that windshield, is always repairing itself and always rewiring itself. And over a very short period of time, all the bruising in your brain is going to start healing. Your memories are going to come back. Your motor skills are going to come back. And it's going to be this wonderful thing. You don't even have to think about it. Your brain's just going to do it. Now, there's also times where you can rewire your own brain intentionally controlling what's in between your ears. So, for example, if you say after today's sermon, I'm going to be inspired to learn a new language, right? You're going to go learn a new language and literally rewire your brain. Or I want to learn an instrument. You're going to make a choice in your brain to learn an instrument and rewire your brain. And that's not just on the physical stuff. Even on the social skills, the soft skills, you can rewire your brain, you can decide, I'm going to be more, a more loving person, and your decision to be a more loving person is going to rewire your brain. Your decision to be more empathetic and really care and really listen and, and listen to, to somebody intently and really care about who they are and, and carry their emotions, if you decide to do that, you will rewire your brain. It is remarkable. This dumb supercomputer can't do that. It's not self-aware. It's not brilliant. It can't rewire itself, but your little three-pound brain can. It's remarkable. Romans 12, one through two puts it this way. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, hey, decide to renew your mind. Decide to rewire your brain. Decide to be more loving. Decide to embrace God's love for you. Decide to live your life for the betterment of others, right? It's pretty cool. This is remarkable. Enjoy the simple pleasure of being alive, living, breathing, existing human being made in the image of God. And then also know that God wants you to know what a big deal you are. God wants you to know what a big deal you are. I could pull out dozens and dozens of verses. This is among my favorite. It's in Matthew chapter 6, verse 23. Now, let me just set the context real quick. The people that Jesus is talking to in Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount, they are down on themselves. The religious leaders of the time are telling them, you're not good enough for God. God is disappointed in you. God is angry with you. God might even judge you. And so they're thinking, I'm separate from God. I'm not doing what God wants me to do. That's what the religious leaders are telling them. They're also under political oppression. So this big Roman empire sweeps in and there's soldiers on every corner. They're harassing the Jewish people, taxing them to a perpetual poverty. And if you step out of line, they will torture you and kill you in the streets. So they were told in religious circles that they are nothing. They're told in political circles they are nothing. These people are down on themselves. We're just peasants. We're not following God's law enough. 
We're subjugated people, oppressed people. We are poor people. We're sick and we're helpless. Who are we? Maybe God's even forgotten about us. What does Jesus say? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest like you do. They don't store food like you do. For your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable valuable to him than they are? And they start looking at each other going, yeah, I guess, you know, the birds don't do much. They just go pick what other people done. You know, they just pick our stuff, but we're the ones doing the work. We're tilling the land and planting the seed and watering. We're using this amazing brain to produce, right? Not just food for ourselves, but food for the whole world. And Jesus is looking at us and saying, look at all you do. You're made in the image of God doing wonderful things. Now, some of you here might be actual farmers. Some of you might do something else with your career, but what you're doing is you are furthering society no matter what you do. You are furthering society. And Jesus says, you're a big deal. You're a value not just to each other, not just to the world around you, but you're a value to God himself. God looks at you and says, you are so valued, you have no idea. And yet, as was true 2,000 years ago, you go into a lot of religious circles today and all you hear about is how bad you are and how sinful you are and how sinful others are and you gotta do this better and do that better and do that better. Stop doing this, start doing this. When you hear that drumbeat in religious circles and we start to think, well, gosh, maybe God is disappointed with me. Maybe God is angry with me. Maybe his judgment is on me. Maybe he won't answer my prayers. And I just kind of get this sense like God is, is shaking us and saying, please listen, listen to me. He's grabbing us by the shoulders. Listen to me. You're an amazing creation. Don't buy into this stuff. Yeah, we got things to work on. We agree. But listen, look into the sky and look at the cosmos. We all came from there, this beautiful world, this beautiful cosmos. And then I created the sun and the stars and the planets, this beautiful planet filled with water and heavy elements that could generate and sustain life. And God's saying, listen, I love you. You're made in my image. I've given you a soul, right? This nephish soul. I've given you life. You're made in my image, unlike any other creature on earth. And you are so unique. You are one of a kind. Know that. Smile and try to enjoy every minute of it. I could just see God yelling this at us. Smile and enjoy every minute of this. I want to close with this, this one challenge to try to enjoy every minute you can. Try to enjoy every minute you can. I know there's a lot of stresses coming your way in your life and in our community and in our world, and I know they come and you can't stop it, right? You can't stop the stresses you experience, but for one hour a week right here, we're gonna have this little island of, of pleasure, a little island of joy, of smiles and laughter together, and we're gonna see through God's word that yes, we actually can enjoy this life. Even with all that we're carrying, we can actually choose to enjoy this life and choose to enjoy every minute of this life old man Solomon who had achieved more than we can even imagine, expanding his kingdom, generating wealth and trade deals. And he says this at the end of his life as he writes this letter to his son. I recommend having fun. That sound pretty good? May not be the most theologically rich statement ever, but it's right out of God's word. I recommend having fun because there's nothing better for people in the world than to eat and drink and enjoy life. That way, they'll experience some happiness along with the hard work God gives them under the sun. In other words, this is honest. Sometimes life has some hard stuff, but choose to enjoy every minute you can. 
I was done uh, prepping this sermon yesterday afternoon. I wish I was more in advance than I am, but I'm not. And uh, my wife tells me, hey, I've got a, a tuna steak you could sear in the fridge and some Trader Joe's microwave rice. And I just about cried with joy. That's it. That's, that's my favorite. End of discussion. Cajun spice, sesame seeds, sear it two minutes on either side, microwave the uh, Trader Joe's rice, put it on a plate, and I am in heaven. I just prepped this message. Enjoy life, right? Have fun. And I'm like, this meal is so good. Every bite, just soaking in the pleasure of that meal. I don't know where you're going to lunch today, but get something you really like and just enjoy it. I mean, enjoy it and pay attention to it. And then look around, these people that I'm with, my family, my friends, whatever. If you're gonna go out to eat by yourself, grab another person going out by themselves and go make a friend, right? Enjoy everything, enjoy every minute. Enjoy nature, even though it's a million degrees out there. Enjoy nature, right? Find some water, get in it. If your neighbor has a pool, jump the fence, get in this pool. Enjoy life, have fun, eat, drink, and enjoy. Enjoy. 